Good evening. Can you hear me? Good evening. Can you hear me? Good evening. Good evening. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Um, we're going to give it a few more minutes just to give a couple of people a chance to get on the call, and then we're going to get started with our Bible study this evening. Okay, great. All right, so let us get started for our Bible study this evening for Delta Psi Epsilon Christian Sorority Incorporated. Um, before we get started, we always like to begin in prayer. Are there any outspoken prayer requests at this time? No. Well, I do have a, I do have a um, prayer request to um, please keep my uh, family in prayer. My husband, he had um, two surgeries um, within two weeks of each other, two major surgeries, but he is doing well. He is at home and just asking that God continue to heal his body um, from these surgeries. Um, ask a special prayer for our nation, um, before our leader, um, as they go through these impeachment hearings. I'm just asking that God is in control. If he turned mm-hmm. the heart of Pharaoh, I know that he can turn the heart of our leader that's in charge of us and over this country. He is not oh, a favor. He doesn't play favoritism. He, If he did it for one, he can do it for the other. Okay, well, let us go before the Lord in prayer, and then I will begin with the Bible study for tonight. Most gracious and heavenly Father, first of all, we come before you just to tell you thank you. Thank you for who you are, God. We thank you for all of the things that you've done. We thank you for allowing us to see this day, a day in which we've never seen before. We thank you for protecting us from the dangers both seen and unseen. God, you know that there were unspoken prayer requests, and we know that you know what they are. And I stand before you to ask that you grant them according to your word and to your will, God. Do it for them right now. I ask a special prayer over my husband, God, as you continue to heal his body. We know that you are the chief physician, and we know that you can do all things wonderful and marvelous in your sight. These things we pray in our most precious and holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So um, I am uh, Sora Terry Maney, the National Ministries Director for Delta Phi Epsilon Christian Sorority Incorporated. And I will be conducting our Bible study for tonight. And our Bible study for tonight, the theme is the purpose of prayer. And I'm coming from the scripture, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And just so you know, most of the references will be coming from the NIV Bible unless um, I state differently. 
So, Ephesians, Philippians, I'm sorry, chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. It says, be not anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Verse 7 says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I know that many of you have heard these verses several times. And I know you found comfort in these words. But let's take this passage apart and determine why these words should be a source of comfort. In part, understanding what these verses are saying involves being clear about what they are not saying. So let us so let me give you three clarifications that I see. Dividing into the first, diving into the first half of verse six, I think is essential to see what this is. So the first part of verse six, it says, "A word of comfort, not a warning of condemnation." Paul says, "Do not be anxious about anything." Words are not pointing a finger; they are a hand on the shoulder. Paul's goals. God's goal is to reassure, not reprimand. As I say, this is a word of comfort, not a warning of condemnation, because warnings don't sober the anxious heart. They add to the crushing weight of anxiety. Remember, we can struggle with anxiety for all sorts of reasons. For some, it's a result of a misunderstanding, but for others, it is the result of severe trauma. What is needed in all cases is comfort and encouragement, not Christian quick life fixes. Hey, you just need to trust God more. You know, the the saints always say that you're going through, you just need to trust God more. That is not always the answer that you need to hear from somebody. Somebody may ask, isn't anxiety or worry a lack of faith? The answer is sometimes. Did you know that Paul uses the exact words in verse chapter 2, verse 20, to commend Timothy to the Philippians? Paul tells them, Timothy is generally concerned for their welfare. So this word is and is not like our word anxious. Therefore, we can translate 4 and 6 as do not be concerned about anything lacks the same clinical overtone. But what we're talking about is unhealthy concern. In some cases, Such concern can come from weak faith. For some, a genuine encouragement with God's word is all it takes to bolster faith. But for others, traumas have left an impediment to faith. Does that make faith impossible or unnecessary? Not at all. It simply means faith needs to be directed 
at the root of whatever that anxiety is. If someone has been ex- abused, for example, feelings of safety or and or self-loathing can be a hindrance to trusting God. How do you help someone who says, I believe in God and that he is loving, but deep down, I don't know how God could really love someone like me? Yes, we always want to encourage faith, but we also want to direct faith into these specially dry channels so that the whole field of life can know living water and God's harvest. Is Paul being soft on anxiety? Absolutely not. Don't miss the full impact of Paul's words. Do not be anxious in anything, Paul says. Don't accept anxiety as an unchangeable reality in any of your life. Don't tolerate it. Don't rationalize it as necessary evil or idiosyncrasy. It is an alarm bell that something is wrong. In God's word, do not be anxious. It's comparable to do not fear. They are words of comfort, not condemnation. Can anxiety lead us to sin? Yes, just like fear can lead to sin. Can anxiety and fear be sinful? Yes when we have understanding yet fail to do anything to topple the idols or lies that stand behind anxiety and fear. So how do people topple these idols or lies? How do we respond to God's word of reassurance, of encouragement, of exhortation? How do we address anxiety? Well, we see this as, a call to familiar prayer, not foxhole prayers. A call to familiar prayer, not foxhole prayer. And we're going to look at the second part of verse 6. Remember the wording of verse 6. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Paul wants to help shape in his readers an instinctive response to the shadow of or the grip of anxiety. So he calls them to pray. But notice the word everything. Why is that word critical? Because when taken together, Paul is saying we are to be anxious in no thing, but praying in all things. But what does that mean? It means that when Paul talks about prayer and supplication, he is not talking about what some call foxhole prayers. Do you know what those are? Those are isolated prayers in the heat of the moment. Those are to help God. I'm in trouble. I need you to fix it right now. If you do, I promise I'll follow you. If you fix it, I promise I'll do whatever you ask me to do. Yes, desperate times may be precisely what God uses to wake us up, to make us aware of our urgent need for him, but our need for him as God, not as a genie in a bottle. Instead, Paul wants them to grow in a life of familiar prayer, 
That is, a life of daily communion with God in every area. Let me point out the word prayer. Here is the generic word for blessing God. Supplication is more specific. It means petitioning God. It means bringing our request to God. So when it comes to fighting anxiety, Paul is telling us that the best defense is a good offense. Don't wait for anxiety to strike. Ask God to help you look to him in spirit of prayer in all things throughout your day. And the fact that Paul has what we call a holistic outlook is evident from the qualifier he adds in verse 6. We are to pray. We are to plead with thanksgiving. The lifestyle to which God is calling each of us is grounded in a vision of God as the one who will give because he has already given, as the one who hears because he has already heard, as the one who wants to help because he has helped before listening to this. The right response to anxiety is a life that petitions and prays God in the face of our needs. In commenting on this verse and phrase with thanksgiving, Matthew Henry wrote, we must not only seek supplies of good, but own receipts of mercy. Don't you love that? But you mm-hmm. may ask, can we be more specific? What should I give thanks for when I feel anxious or anxiety closing in? I think that question leads to a final clarification in verse 7. We discover there that this is a promise of peace, not a path or a parachute. I'm going to say that again. This is not a promise of peace, not a path or a parachute. So let's look at verse number 7. It says, Paul tells us this about responding to anxiety with prayer and thanksgiving. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Okay, so what clarification do we find here? God's word to us here is the word, and it's all about peace. To be clear, he does not promise us a hall pass or a parachute. That is, a way to escape from those situations that conspire or tempt us to be anxious. Instead, in the face of those kinds of circumstances and relationships and experiences, God calls us to prayer and thanksgiving. Now, we just talked about being more specific in terms of giving thanks to God in the face of anxiety. Where should we look for specifics? How about the context? Just listen to these verses, verses we find throughout the same letter. So I'll give you a time. The first one is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. And Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6 says, And I am sure of this, that he who begun a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Mm. The next one we find 
is in Philippians chapter 2, um, verses 12 and 13. It's actually the latter part of 12 and going into 13. Okay. And that reads, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And then verse 13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And then we also see it in Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. Verse 20 says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 21 who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Next, we see it in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And that says, and Paul will go on to say, and my God, will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Would you say those are good reasons to give thanks? I think so. But mm-hmm. do you see how verse 6 connects to 7 in the light of these amazing truths? When our heart and minds are seeped in these spiritual realities, guess what? It should not only cause the thanks, but also these should serve as the inspiration for our prayer, especially in the face of anxiety. How shall we do this? Paul uses three words. The first, in everything by prayer. That's the broad word of spiritual devotion, including different kinds of prayer. Next, He uses the word supplication. That's the narrow word that focuses on the kind of prayer, namely asking for help. And the last one he focuses on is with thanksgiving. That's the humble, non-demanding mindset that flavors all of prayer. Making requests, thankfully, means that we will be content and thankful with whatever God wisely and lovingly gives us. And we know that he will hear our prayers and wisely and lovingly give us what's best for us. Now, that's the key, because we have to learn to accept that what God is giving us is the best for us. Mm. So this is precisely how our hearts and our minds are guarded in Christ Jesus. And then here are some examples I want to leave you with. When anxiety starts to rise in light of bad news from the doctor, say, Father, I thank you that you will transform this lonely body one day. Please help me trust you with it until then. When anxiety starts to rise in the light of mounting financial pressure, then I need you to say, Father, I thank you that you will supply every need of mine. Please help me to trust in your perfect provision. 
When anxiety starts to rise up in light of moral failures and spiritual dryness, I need you to say, Father, I thank you that you will complete your work in me. Help me to walk in obedience this day. When anxiety starts to rise up in light of a daunting spiritual task or the pressures of kingdom ministry, I need you to say, Father, I thank you that you are in me both to will and work for your good pleasure. Please help me to trust you in comparable power to accomplish what I never could on my own. And when you offer up prayers like that in faith, you will know the peace of God. You will keep him in keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Isaiah twenty six and three. But we also read this is peace which surpasses all understanding. So what does that mean? John Calvin writes it is on good ground that he called it to the peace of God inasmuch as it does not depend on the present aspect of things and does not bend itself to the various shift of the world, but is founded on the firm and immutable word of God. It is on good ground also that he speaks of it as surpassing all understanding or perception, for nothing is more foreign to the human mind than the death of despair to exercise. Nevertheless, a feeling of hope and the death of poverty to see opulence, and in the death of weakness to keep from giving away, and in, when all is fine, to promise ourselves that nothing will be wanting to us when we are left destitute of all things and all in the grace of God alone. And did you notice how all of these fantastic and comforting realities are rooted in the gospel? We draw from the riches of Christ. We will be made like Christ on the day of Christ. And it is these spiritual realities that guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When we let our requests be made known to God like this, and the devotion of prayer and the many specific requests for help with a heart that is thankful for everything God designs for us, the pleasure and the pain, then his peace will guard our minds and free us from anxiety in a way that defies more rational explanation. It surpasses all understanding. Oh, that the Lord might make you feel the joy and the wonder and the power and privilege and the peace of a life of prayer. Amen. 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 Were there any questions? I thank you for joining us today. Were there any questions? Did anybody have any comments? No. Okay, well, I thank you for joining us for this um, Bible lesson for today, the purpose of prayer from Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. I pray that something was said today that helped you continue in this fight 
to live this Christian life. And I thank you for joining us for the Bible study for Delta Psi Epsilon Christian Sorority Incorporated. And I ask that you join us um, next Thursday. We are always the second Thursday of the month, and we look forward to seeing you for the month of December. Everybody have a blessed night. Amen. Thank you. Amen. 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 Thank you. You're welcome.